You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to the June edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Woohoo! My name is Stacey, and I'll be filling in for Shane today. And on this month's podcast, Perry is going to be talking on the topic of grit. So I want to kick this podcast off, Pastor Pete, by mentioning that one of the very first things I noticed about New Spring Church when I arrived a year ago was the grit of its staff and volunteers. In fact, I didn't think such a hardworking, fast-paced environment like this existed until I stepped onto the team, and it still amazes me today. And you've recently said that the key to greatness is our willingness to embrace the value of grit. So grit is really important. And with that being said, Pastor P, what is your definition of grit? Grit. Um, well, first of all, um, Stacy, really important question before we dive in. Had you ever had grits before you came to the South? I had not. And I tried them and they were nasty. Grits were nasty? Absolutely. And, but the, and you like Vegemite? Yes. <laughs> okay. Obviously the... Taste difference between <laughs> Americans and Australians are way. I think grits are awesome, um, and Vegemite tasted like licking the bottom of my shoe. I couldn't think of anything worse to eat than shrimp and grits. Oh my god, that's the epitome of nasty, right there. Well, the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast has <laughs> taken a turn for the worse because <laughs> Stacy does not like grits. Hey, thanks, Stacy. Um, you know, you ask about grit. Um, grit is the definition of grit is being willing to do whatever it takes. And recently I shared in, in an all-staff meeting, I went to three different passages of Scripture. I, I went, I talked about Genesis 26, um, 1 Samuel 14, and John chapter 2, verse 6. Um, and I, I just talked about in those stories that people were willing to do whatever it took to accomplish the vision. Mm-hmm. For example, in Genesis 26, Isaac was willing to dig some wells. And every time he encountered a barrier, he continued to dig more wells. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 14 is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's about um, where where Jonathan's armor bearer is to do all you have in mind. I'm with you heart and soul. But one of the most fascinating parts about that story is the author of 1 Samuel tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 13, that Jonathan climbed up the cliff using his hands and his feet. And I remember looking at that going, oh my gosh, thank you, Mr. Samuel, or whoever wrote this, that you included that Jonathan used his hands and his feet, but it was just a reminder that Jonathan didn't pray his way to the top of the cliff. He had to have grit and climb up there. Um, the, the other passage that really kind of seized my attention was John chapter 2, where Jesus did the most controversial miracle to Baptist, uh, turning the water into wine. And I think it was red wine, not white wine, but um, anyway... I think the thing that we miss in that story is he made about 180 gallons. He told the servants, there were six water jars. He told the servants, fill these jars to the top, 20 to 30 gallons apiece. And let's say, and I don't know this, but let's, because they, they didn't get to go and just kind of turn on the faucet or the spigot, wherever, depending on wherever you are in the continental United States or Australia. Hmm. What do y'all say, faucet or, do y'all say spigot down there? No, we no, definitely no, don't no. say spigot. Okay. <laughs> Used to spick it and wash out that <laughs> pan of grits. Anyway, um, the, the servants had to fill up the jars. And so we always want to talk about the miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine. But nobody wants to talk about the actual hard work behind the scenes that the servants were willing to put into. I mean, think about taking a one-gallon bucket, dipping it in the well, bringing it back up, one. 
taking a gallon in the bucket, dipping it in the well, bringing it back up too. That could have taken an hour. It could have taken two hours. But the, because they were willing to do whatever it took behind the scenes, we're still talking about a miracle 2,000 years later That that's due to grit. So I think grit, and there's just, those are just a few examples in the Bible. I think grit is people willing to do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I love what you just said, that they're willing to do whatever it takes behind the scenes to see that miracle come to pass. You know, that's, that's, a, that's also important, Stacey, behind the scenes. The person who always has to be recognized is the person that's holding back their team from success. And that's wow. true in business world, and that's true in church world. If a person always has to be recognized, then they will never let anyone else rise to the top because they're afraid of them not being the center of attention anymore. And someone who fears not being the center of attention is a really insecure leader. Wow. Some of us need to rewind and just listen to that for a second time. That's great. So Perry, why is it so important for a leader or a pastor to have grit? Well, because at some point, and this rhymes, and I didn't mean for it to, but at some point you're going to want to quit. Uh, mm. That That's true for every ministry leader. If, if you're in ministry and you haven't wanted to quit, then you're not normal. Um, even Jesus prayed, Father, take this cup for me. I mean, Jesus is like, okay, is there, I mean, even when Jesus is like, hey, I, Father, is there another way? All of us are going to experience those emotions. So grit um, keeps us in the game when we want to quit. Grit, grit also, you're maybe you don't want to quit, but you hit a wall or a ceiling or maybe something's not growing or an area is not producing or you feel like you're not um, achieving your maximum potential. And grit will help you break through that barrier. Grit, grit refuses to allow you to accept status quo. Wow. When status quo becomes normal, um, then mediocrity is always going to be the result. And nobody, um, nobody, nobody, nobody is attracted to mediocrity. Yeah, that's great. Grit refuses to allow you to accept status quo. I think that's excellent. Um, Perry, at a recent All Staff event, you mentioned that the word grit can be used as an acronym. So I would love for you to share that with our listeners right now, what those letters G-R-I-T represent in the word grit. Yeah, Acronyms, um, nobody uses acronyms better than Rick Warren. Rick Warren is the king of acronyms. And anyway, so this was kind of like, anytime I use an acronym, I always think of Rick. Uh, The letter G stands for goals. A lot of people say that they have vision. I've got vision for what I want to do. But until you put down some goals, some measurable goals, like, for example, some people go, well, I want to see my church break 100 or I want to see my church break 500, or I want to see my business do a half a million dollars in revenue this next year. Well, all of that's great. How are you going to do that? Because if you have a great idea, but you don't know how you're going to do it, it's like having a Maserati with no gasoline. Hmm. It looks really good, and it'll cause your friends to ooh and ah for a few moments, but they'll eventually put their eyes on a car that'll actually go somewhere rather than look at a car that's completely stalled because it has no gas. Goals are the gasoline that gets the vision to where it needs to be. So for example, um, this goes down to something as simple at practical as marriage. So if a husband comes to me and says, I want to be a better, I want to be a better husband. Okay. How are you going to do that? Well, um, I just, I don't know. I'm just going to pray. Okay. You, you, you're going to have to do more than pray. You're going to, so what's your, you know, what does your wife love to do? Well, she loves to spend quality time together 
and sit on the couch and talk. All right, well, you're going to do that three nights a week. You don't have to do a seven. You don't have to do it one, but you're going to do it three nights a week. So that's a, that's a measurable goal. Um, but things like that where you put a measurable goal in place um, is always going to help you to get where you need to be. That's great. That's really good. And the R, what does that stand for? In the that R, the R, the R, I love that, <laughs> the, the R. The, the R stands for remarkable. Hold on, let me take a swig of this pineapple ice drink. <laughs> That's non-alcoholic, by the way, non-alcoholic. <sighs> so the R is for remarkable. Remarkable refuses once again to allow you to accept status quo. When I think of remarkable, I think of um, organizations such as Apple. I think of organizations such as Disney. I think of organizations such as Starbucks and how they really do a great job of making their experience remarkable. Um, I, I hold the key. I mean, I've had a key core value of excellence in my life for a really long time. I want to I be excellent in everything we do. And it's real popular in today's society to crack on excellence. In fact, there's a, there's a, move, there's a move out there that goes... We're not into excellence, we're into authentic. But my question is, when did authentic give us permission to suck? Wow, that's good. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that, oh, no, she sang that song authentically. No, it was, she sang that song horribly. Like, she should never pick up a microphone again, but we'll use. The other thing is, people that are typically against excellence do crappy work on a consistent basis. Um, and I'll go back to this, and I've said this several times, but where in the world can we read the scriptures and come away with any idea that we're supposed to offer God anything less than the very best effort that we've mm, got? Wow. He gave us an excellent story um, when they built the temple, it, that everything in the temple was overlaid with gold. Think about that. Gold is the most precious object on earth, and God said, I want you to overlay everything with the very best that you've got. When it comes to Jesus, he gave us an excellent birth, an excellent life, excellent teachings, excellent miracles, an excellent resurrection, even folded up the burial cloth. He gave us an excellent ascension. He's promised us uh, he's preparing an excellent place. Mm -hmm. He's given us an excellent book. He's given us an excellent Holy Spirit. Where in the world do we come off thinking we can do a job halfway and say, God, there you go? In fact, in Malachi chapter 1, God says, cursed is the cheat that has an acceptable animal in his flock and brings me a blind or, you know, messed up, jacked up mm. lamb that's tongue is hanging out. So that's my <laughs> translation. That's not really what he said. But, but that's, that's, and so I come back to the remarkable. I think church services should be remarkable. I think, I, I, I think God is worth it. I think Jesus is worth it for us to give the very best effort that we have in everything that we do that's great rant over and you mentioned this in the staff meeting but remarkable is when people say wow that's when we do something and people yeah. say wow and that could be as simple as calling somebody after they visited your church the next day i mean that's a that's a remark remarkable does not mean expensive yeah remarkable wow. means people say wow that's great all right moving on to what does the ice and grit stand for identify Identify what you have. When, when I have a staff member that their only solution for a problem is to hire more staff and spend more money 
then I ha- then that tells me I've got a non-creative, mm. uncommitted staff member. Now I know that's bold, but let me kind of explain that. Um, I think some of the most creative, innovative leaders in the world are either their, their churches are under 250 people right now, because when you when you are small, when you're like a startup company, startup business, startup church, you have to think differently. You have to think progressively and spending money or hiring someone is not an option. And so when it comes back to identify, one of the things that we've got to do as leaders is identify what what has God placed in our hands. I hear so many people go, well, if I had a building or if I had more staff or if I had more money or I had this, and my thing is, um, it comes back to stewardship. Why would God give us more when we're not stewarding what we have right now? You know, go back to the stories of uh, the story of water into wine. Um, this Jesus looked around, saw six stone jars, and said, "I'm going to use those." Um, when Moses told uh, God, "I can't go before Pharaoh. I can't go. I can't go," Moses asked the, I mean, God asked the question, "What's that you have in your hand?" And Moses said, "A staff." And he said, "Throw it down." And 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 you know, everybody listening probably knows the the story. It's like, what do you have in your hand? So identify is like, all right, God, you've called me to this. What are the resources that you've placed in my hands? And I'm going to use those resources to their maximum potential. That's great. And I know you mentioned this at the staff meeting as well, but you said your sweet spot is what you steward, not what you ascribe it to be. And I just thought that was so great. I love that. So why would God give us more if we're not stewarding what we have right now? So that's the I in grit is identify. And moving on to the last one, the T in grit, what does that stand for? T stands for teamwork. Um, the, the th- I think John Maxwell is the first guy I ever heard say, the teamwork makes the dream work. I don't know if he is the one that coined that phrase, but he's the guy that I heard say it. And uh, I've got to be willing to give my best. But I've got to serve with people that are willing to give their best as well. And so that means being at work on time. That means hitting your deadlines. That means every – it essentially means, Stacy, that everybody on the team is dependable. And so that's the thing that a leader has to do is look around and say, is everybody on my mm-hmm. team dependable? Like if they tell wow. me something – Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So if you tell me you're going to have something done by five o'clock on Monday and you don't, then you've just let your yes be no. Yeah. And so it, is that person dependable? Um, can you trust them? Those I, We could do a whole podcast in the future on teamwork because it is essential mm-hmm. to getting. Um, nobody ever achieves their maximum potential in life on their own. Nobody. God designed it that way. God designed it where we needed each other. Even in even with God, you got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You got the Godhead three and one, one and three. You n- nobody in the scriptures became great by themselves. Wow. So teamwork is essential. That's excellent. And that's a good segue into the next question, keeping teamwork in mind. Um, question four is obviously you, you expect your staff to have grit, but do you hold volunteers to the same standard? And how can we empower our volunteers to have grit like our staff and leaders have? Simon Sinek wrote a book called um, Start With Why. And in fact, there's an excellent TED Talk. If you're a leader and you love to kind of go on YouTube and look at TED Talks, um, Simon Sinek's Start With Why is probably one of my top 
five favorite TED Talks ever. And in it, he talks about how people need to understand why, why you do what you do. And so when it comes to, to volunteers in the church, one of the myths that's existed for years is you cannot hold volunteers accountable to a set of standards. Mm. But then I'm like, well, I don't see anybody on Jesus's payroll. Wow. That's awesome. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see like Peter getting his paycheck on Fridays. I mean, these guys were voluntarily following Jesus and you look at the early church and they exploded because people were volunteering and they had incredibly high standards. And so it goes back to taking the time to making sure your volunteers feel ownership in the system. They, you can't just tell them what to do. If you're telling people what to do, then you're not a leader, you're a dictator. Big difference there. They've got to understand why they're doing it. Because if they understand why your church or why your business exists and why you do what you do, then many times the volunteers will actually outwork staff members. Wow. That's excellent. So start with the why, start with the vision and getting them on board to feel that ownership. Question number five, Pastor P, is how can you have grit and yet protect you and your team from burnout? And I know for you, you exemplify grit more so than anyone I know. You get up early before the sun is even up, before most people are up and you're working out and you're studying the Bible. So how can you, how have you protected yourself and your team from burnout? This is how I see it. And this is, this is something that I'm, I'm still working on, Stacey. I'm not, I'm not the best in the world at this, but everything I see in the scriptures, in fact, let's go back. Every spiritual growth metaphor, I believe, in the scriptures is an agricultural metaphor. Um, They didn't have a lot of technology back then. Jesus wasn't rolling around with an iPhone. If he would have had the choice, he would have had an iPhone over an Android device because Jesus is in the remarkable, and he would not use a product created like a droid. Anyway... (laughs) um, so every spiritual growth metaphor in the scriptures is agricultural. Well, in agriculture, and I learned this one summer when my dad planted a garden. I remember we planted these tomatoes, and I was so excited because I love tomatoes. In the South, Stacy, a delicacy is a tomato sandwich. You take two pieces of white bread. You don't get wheat. You splash mayonnaise all over it. You put salt and pepper on a big, huge tomato, and you eat it, and it's just one of the greatest things in the world. And so I was really excited about tomato sandwiches. We used to eat tomato sandwiches for dinner, for lunch. <laughs> Every once in a while, you'd throw a piece of bologna on there, but not, not, cause, but not often. Anyway, so my dad planted all these tomatoes. He planted 20 beefsteak tomato plants. I never will forget this. And so we planted the tomatoes, and I went out the next day, and there were t- no tomatoes. And I went out the next day, and there were no tomatoes. And it seemed like it took those tomatoes forever um, to grow. Until this day, I will hardly eat a tomato. Because that summer, we had so many tomatoes. Now, when we planted them, we didn't see immediate results. But over time, we had tomatoes in a windowsill. We, people stopped visiting us because we would give them bags of tomatoes. I mean, there are no telling... We could have fed small nations with the tomatoes <laughs> that we had, but I've never forgotten that. And in the reading of the scriptures, there's a, te- there's a time for sowing, mm. then there's a time for waiting, and then there's a time for harvest. And so in a time of sowing, I want to sow as much seed as I can. Um, I want to I do as much work as I can. In the time of waiting, I want to make sure I take care of the seed that I sowed. And in the harvest time, I want to make sure I harvest 
the most effective way possible. And so I think in those times, I mean, I've heard, you know, yeah, take a Sabbath and I'm there, take your day off. But you, you kind of see the wall coming and, you know, you're heading toward the wall and it looks like you're going to crash. As soon as you feel like you're coming up on the wall, it's time to take a break. Wow. Like a day. Sometimes it's a day. Sometimes it's a week. I, I'll tell leaders this. One of the best things you can do is take about a two or three day break. If you feel like you're coming up on a season like that, get a fiction book. Get a fiction book. Nothing to do with God, Jesus, the rapture, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Nobody died and went to heaven. Nobody died and went to hell. Nobody died and went to their mother-in-law's house. Like, like it's legitimately a made-up story. Um, not Fifty Shades of Grey, by the way. And you go get a work of fiction and you read through it. I'm telling you, it will absolutely relieve your mind. I never will forget several years ago, I was getting ready to go on vacation, and I'm like, I need a book to read. I need a thing to study. And I had a friend of mine say, um, you should read this, these books called The Hunger Games. And I was like, I'm not reading The Hunger Games. You know, is it like, is it like hungering after God, Jesus, the bread of life? And they were like, no, 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 no. It's about, and they told me what it's about, and I'm like, that's the dumbest thing ever. But I was like, well, I'm probably going to do this. And I read, there's, there's three books, and I read them in four days, like all three books in four wow. days. Because, and it was just... It was awesome, and I just and my I felt relaxed. I felt great. I disconnected, and um, so anyway, that's just what I what I do. I can usually do that really good by a pool at a nice resort where they're bringing me drinks, <laughs> water, water, water. They're bringing me water, water. <laughs> so the fear of burnout should never excuse us from having grit, should it? Well, you got to be on fire before you burn out. Wow. And so there's a lot of people that are like, I'm burned out. And I'm like, you're late to work every day. There's no way you can be burned really out. Good. And you know, it comes in seasons. Like when you're young and single, like you, you're young and single, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You look nervous. Why, why are you nervous? <laughs> well, I have a boyfriend. So is that still when I'm single? You've got a boyfriend. Yeah. Y'all remember when Stacy first hosted the leadership podcast, she did not have a boyfriend and now she does. Hashtag, uh, uh-oh. <laughs> anyway, um... I totally forgot. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when you're young and single, (laughs) it's different. I remember when we planted the church, I was young. In my mind, I was young. I was 28. So I guess that's young. I could work 80 or 85 hours a week. Wow. Um, Yeah, and that was no problem. That's just what you did. That's what you do when you plant a church. That's You just work. Um, Now, on the flip side, I had a wife. Lucretia and I got married, and she was a resident in uh, doing her medical school residency. So she was working 80 to 85 hours a week, too. And we didn't have any kids. And, and, and But then, you know, I look at 2007 when Karis was born, and my definition of grit changed a little bit based upon, you know, now I had uh, this very needy person at my house that mm-hmm. always wanted attention and needed to be held, and we had to change her diaper, and we had to feed her. And so then I had to adjust. So it, it it's according to the your season in life in regards to the effort you can put forth. But even... Man, I would just say, even if you're old, Moses started a relocation project when he was 80. Wow. And it took him 40 great. years to get there. And then how do you know what I'm, how do I know what I'm done? Well, God called him to the top of a mountain and killed him. So that's when you know you're done, when God kills you. Selah. That's great. Pastor P, our last question is, how does the presence of God or the blessing of God work hand in hand with our grit? I think... The blessing of God goes hand in hand with the effort that we're willing to put forth. Now, sometimes God moves in ways that are 
completely unexplainable and undeniable, and I'm there. But the more I study the scriptures, the more I see God um, will often use the effort that we put forth. Even his own son, Jesus, God honored the sacrifice. And if God honored the sacrifice in Christ and we're followers of Christ, Mm -hmm. then why in the world would we think that we don't have to do a really hard job sometimes? I mean, people tell me all the time, oh my gosh, I'm in the ministry, it's so hard. Well, it is, because you're in the ministry. That's like the Marines complaining that somebody fired a shot at them. I mean, you're a Marine, that's Mm -hmm. what you do. And so my thing is, if there's a leader out there or some leaders out there that you're going through a tough time, I'm telling you, Grit your teeth and push through it because and, and figure that problem out. A lot of times what we see as problems are nothing more than opportunities to really lead what we're leading wow. to the next level. That's great. That's excellent. So God will often use the effort that we put forth. And I think you've alluded to this a couple of times, but praying without actually having action is just more so that like wishful thinking. It is. Yeah. I mean it is. It's like, okay, God, I want you to do something great in my church. All right, well, you're not there, and you played golf all day yeah. or you played a video game. Just, I'm telling you. But then on the flip side, on the flip side, I know the question we'll get is there's some leaders out there, and they're like, well, Perry, I'm really working hard, but mm-hmm. it seems like I'm on a stationary bike or a treadmill. I'm not going anywhere. Then you've got to change a pattern. You've got to change a system. You've got to change some structure. You've got to change something around you because if you're moving a lot but you're not actually getting anywhere that's not grit that's insanity yeah wow. and you you got to be willing to make some changes there that's great so do you have any final thoughts perry as we close out today's podcast i really don't i'm i'm super excited about this podcast and i'm super excited about this edition i'm super excited about you hosting i'm super excited about you having a boyfriend <laughs> me too <laughs> and i'm super excited about what we're going to talk about next month so we'll see you all then awesome well thanks so much perry for the thoughts that you shared on grit with our listeners today and thanks for being a pastor and a leader who models grit in his own life better than anyone i know and thanks for everyone listening today we look forward to being back in july with the next episode of the perry noble leadership podcast Woo-hoo.